Happy Fiona Apple Day. Wow, a very important day that only comes every eight years or so. Very exciting. This is a very exciting day, and <laughs> I don't know about you, but the first person I wanted to talk to about the new Fiona rec- Fiona Apple record, her fifth ever, uh, was my straight white male friend, Tommy McNamara. <laughs> <laughs> Who better to talk about dismantling the patriarchy? And <laughs> so, you, so I know I've talked to you about this before, but you had a Fiona Apple uh, satchel bag, canvas bag. Yes, I had a Fiona Apple tote bag that was my favorite possession before I tragically lost it. It said uh, it was her quote from the MTV VMAs. Just said, "This world is bullshit." Quote Fiona Apple. This is so great. Yes, I loved it so much. Now you, I can't speak for you. I sincerely love Fiona Apple. Oh, um, Extraordinary Machine is literally top five record by anyone all time for me. Oh, let's rank them really quick. Let's rank all five. Yeah. Um, do you want me to go first or you go first? I'm going to listen to your f- top five and then I'll do mine. I already know mine, uh, so it won't alter it at all. So yours, I'm, ex- I'm going to go with Machine is number one. Machine's number one. I would say, whew, then it gets tough. Um, well, it's tough to know where to put Fetch the Bolt Cutters now. Exactly. Say, yeah. I would say Idler Wheel 2. When the Pond 3, Fetch the Bolt Cutters 4, Title 5. And Almost the exact same as mine. Almost the exact same. Three hours of listening to the new one, so I can't properly place it yet. I've got Idler at number one mm-hmm. because there's not um, one song I would skip on that record. Werewolf is one of my favorite songs ever. Extraordinary Machine is number two. If there wasn't that weird John Bryan mix controversy thing, it might be my number one. Yeah. But that got bogged down. Once again, I don't think I think I skipped like one track on that. Then I go with um uh Win the Pawn. But my all time favorite Fiona Apple song is on Win the Pawn. Um I think her, what's up? Is it paper bag? No, paper bag is in the top five, but I love the single. I legitimately think Fast as You Can is her best song. Damn, wow. Love it, love it, love it. That being said, uh, the last track on this album, On I Go, might break the top five and might, in a few years, take that number one spot. Yeah, this album, my first listen, I would say I kind of knew I was going to need to listen to it a bunch. Like, you know, it was, you could tell right away it was one of those where you kind of had to listen a couple times to get it. But right away, I would say my favorite songs, I've I've probably listened to it three or four times in full by now. I would say the title track on this is incredible. Um, and then Drum Set, Ladies, and Under the Table were my favorites so far. What, did, what jumped out of you? Um, I think that it starts off so strong. And I'm not sure, but I think Shamika is the single. If I, the, I, is a single? I, I didn't even know if they released singles. I kind of wanted to wait for this one until it was a full album. I did yeah. the same thing. Um, with ironically, so this got a perfect ten in Pitchfork. Oh, really? I've not I've not read anything about this. The only thing I've done is go to Genius to check to see if I actually heard what I thought I heard, and I did. <laughs> so this got a perfect ten on Pitchfork. The last time that happened, do you know it? Uh, not a revisionist history perfect ten like that they do every Sunday, right? Or like no, a current, no, no, like no. a brand new number, brand new ten. Yes. Was it? Uh, 
I feel like it's Frank Ocean Blonde. No, no, that's a great guess, though. It was uh, all the way back to my beautiful, dark, twisted Fuck, times. that was my number one pick, but I thought it would be newer. <laughs> so it's every 10 years they give out a perfect 10. I guess it's crazy, but I remember I did the same thing where I refused to listen to anything before the album came out. Yeah, when that album came out, because I just wanted to experience it. And both times, I'm so happy I waited because it is such a you can tell it's so meant to be experienced as an album. It'd be weird to listen to any of this just as a single on a playlist, you know. So I was uh, I was at the pediatrician earlier today for my kid's nine month checkup, and they like the like local rock station was playing Shamika. Oh wow! That's why I thought that was the single, but I don't know if they were playing it sincerely because his appointment was at nine, so it was like morning zoo radio bullshit, right? So <laughs> I don't know if that was like what a weirdo Fiona Apple is, or like here's the new Fiona Apple single. You know what I mean? It is funny to picture morning zoos like loving Fiona Apple, just totally <laughs> out of character. <laughs> well, here's the thing: I we're both from the Chicago land area, and I've seen Fiona Apple uh, twice. I saw her on the title tour. Thanks to my friend Liz in high school, she took me in '97. Wow. I didn't know any of her stuff. Like I maybe knew Shadow Boxer. I think that was the only single thus far. It was at the Riv. Um, it was amazing, and I was 14. If I, I was even 14, yeah, I was 14 years old when I saw her. And then I saw her. You might remember these. Remember those uh, Q101 giant wintertime festivals? They had Jamboree in the summer, and then they had Twisted Christmas during the Christmas time season. I totally remember hearing commercials for Twisted Christmas. I went to Chris, Twisted Christmas, I want to say 99, and in retrospect, one of the greatest bills of all time. Uh, it was uh, Ooh, Foo wow. Fighters touring, There's Nothing Left to Lose. It was Oasis touring, like their fourth album. They're like, they're straight up, we're on a bunch of cocaine album. Um, I don't remember the headliner, uh, but I do remember Fiona Apple played. God, imagine Fiona Apple playing a fucking festival of any kind now. I could, that's the thing. I could totally imagine her headlining Coachella one night. I could totally imagine her headlining Pitchfork. I could totally imagine her playing any headlining set for any single music festival. I would not be shocked. What I can't imagine her doing is these radio indoor festivals for, yeah. like, teenagers. Yeah. That is wild. Wow. Oh, my God. How was that? Do you that, remember? Uh... I remember it because I loved it so much. I went to the same festival in 97. Um, that was when The Cure headlined, and The Cure set was fucking horrible because it was Sad oh, Cure God. after, like, three hours of Sugar Ray and Everclear. Like, it did not gel at all. <laughs> but I remember in 97, uh, Bjork was supposed to play, and I was super excited to see Bjork, and they replaced her with I will give you a dollar if you could guess in December 1997 who they replaced Bjork with on Twisted Christmas. Uh, one qualifier. Was it a woman? It was not a woman, but okay. It was a band, and a woman is in the band, but she's not the lead singer, but she is a singer. Oh, fuck. 1997. 1997. So it's, not, it's a group. <laughs> she never sang. Oh, man. 1997. Let me think. I would really love to nail this. You might be able to if you... Do you want any, like you could ask more questions? Can we can I get one more hint? There are a lot of people in this group. The polyphonic spree. Oh no, Chumbawamba, sir. Chumbawamba. They replaced oh Bjork with Chumbawamba. By the way, here's who else was at Twisted Christmas '99: Blink One Eighty Two, Bush, The Chemical Brothers, Filter, and Moby. 
Wow, that is wild. That's a. It's not a bad show. I don't remember who headlined if it was Bush or Blink-182, but, like, both acts were fucking hot at the time. Yeah, for sure. And then right in there, Fiona Apple. (laughs) Uh, While we're, while Bjork's, every time Bjork's mentioned, I have to bring up this joke that Jimmy Pardo made once that's, like, my favorite music joke of all time. Uh, He was interviewing someone for his podcast, and they said, oh, I just saw Bjork at Carnegie Hall, and he said, who were you guys there to see? Oh, that's great. You just had Jimmy Pardo on your show. Yes, I was so excited. Uh, he He's like one of my comedy heroes. I'm an all-time fan of his, um, and I was so excited. He came out and talked about the band Chicago, uh, which was very fun. And there's this Chicago documentary that I watched to get ready, and Tom also watched most of it, Tom Takar, my co-host. And he asked Jimmy if he had seen the documentary because he didn't realize that Jimmy is in the documentary. <laughs> He had stopped watching to the the point where he came in, which was very funny to me. That's great. Do you, could you imagine anyone going on your show, Stand By Your Band, and having to defend Fiona Apple? You know, we could never do that straight up, but we could do like a special episode where we just talked about Fiona Apple, (laughs) you know? This isn't a Fiona Apple appreciation. Well, it kind of already is. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, Fiona Apple has put out five albums over 1996, 25, 24 years. Yeah. And she hasn't put out a bad album. Like, not even like a down, you know, they're all like albums to reckon with. And yeah. it's, it, it's so incredible. And I'd say that her worst one is her first one, and it's still not bad. It's just like you've she's grown so much. You don't really want to listen to it. Yeah. It's a really great album. <laughs> but. <laughs> I would rather listen to like forty something year old Fiona Apple than like teenager Fiona Apple. Yeah, it's so so crazy, and it and it is interesting. Last year with Hustlers, there was a little bit of the Fiona Apple Renaissance mm-hmm. before this album came out. Uh, you know, doing a lot of she was doing interviews, which she hadn't done in a while. And um, God, this was just so. I was so happy when I realized last night that it was getting close to midnight, and I was like, Oh my God, there's actually going to be a new Fiona Apple album right now. So there's a handful of other artists like Fiona Apple. Um, I've seen this a lot on Twitter today. I love Twitter because it's, oh, what a boring statement. I enjoy my Twitter timeline because I've surrounded myself with like-minded individuals. So it feels like the entire world is listening to Fiona Apple, even though I know that's not true. <laughs> yes. But one of the things my my friend Chris pointed out, it's like, who else is even like Fiona Apple at this point? Um and there's one that instantly came to mind. He said, like, Bjork, but not really because Bjork's, like, avant-garde. Well, Fiona yeah. Apple is still, like, relatively mainstream, and I, I agree. There's one artist that I think are in the exact same category as Fiona Apple. Do you have anyone in mind that would kind of not even necessarily mirror her career, but sort of when there's a new album, it's an event. You know what I mean? Oh, man. who Who is yours? Minus Tom Waits. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Because you either love Tom Waits or you just don't get it. You know what I mean? For sure. And that's fine. And I fucking love Fiona Apple, and I completely understand people that are just like, I don't have time for this. I would love if Fiona Apple started popping up randomly in Coen Brothers movies. (laughs) I'm kind of surprised she doesn't pop up in P.T. Anderson movies. Yeah. Oh, man. Did you read that interview where she said she stopped doing cocaine because P.T. Anderson, after one night she spent with P.T. Anderson, Quentin Tarantino, and they were just doing coke and yelling about movies the whole night? 
<laughs> is this the one that came out today? The Vulture one? Uh, this came out a couple of weeks ago, I think. The New Yorker one. Please send that to me. I, no, I've not yeah. read that. <laughs> you know what? Which, this is neither here nor there, but I didn't really understand adults that did like 30-somethings, 40-somethings that did cocaine until I had a kid. Now, to, now like I fucking get people that become addicted to cocaine just because they're trying to keep up with an infant. Just to stay awake. Just to yeah. stay awake. <laughs> but anyways, no, I have not read that. I'm very, please send that to me if possible. Yes, totally. Where, what do you think of this? Uh, I would say my only knock on this new album is the covers. Oh my God. That's to... why I thought of Tom Waits. <laughs> yeah, Cause very... I like it in spite of the cover. <laughs> yes. Hands then, down the worst Fiona Apple cover. Not even close. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at them all right now, and it is definitely the worst. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. It kind of reminds me of, um, I think it's The Bone Machine. That's the Tom Waits album that it reminds me of. It's just like, who likes this? Who thought this was a good idea? It's like, oh, this is the artist being the artist. Yes. We're uh, like, and I don't know. the first decade of their career, it's like, we're going to make this look good and like artistic. And then like by the time Bone Machine rolls around, I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is horrible. <laughs> This is the Fiona Apple's new album cover is the equivalent of Tom Waits' 1992 record Bone Machine. It is going to be such an amazing relic of this time, too, even though it was obviously recorded over a long time before it, but it is recorded in her house, you know, using her dogs barking and like literally drumming on the walls and shit. And it is like an amazing recluse, agoraphobic, uh, going crazy inside your house record. Here's, Here's you just brought up an important point. She did a bunch of coke with P.T. Anderson and Quentin Tarantino, Does, and now she's considered agoraphobic. Is that agoraphobia or just trying to avoid doing a bunch of cocaine with Quentin Tarantino? <laughs> yeah, she was social distancing from them specifically. <laughs> so I didn't even think of this, uh, and you're bringing up a really good point. This is definitely the album of the moment. Uh, yes, it came out today, but like this is the closest piece of art thus far that mirrors the global pandemic that we're living in, correct? Totally, yeah. This is sort of like Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, which was actually recorded well before 9-11, but due to like weird release patterns, it was streamed online for months before 9-11, but then not officially released until I think like 2002. It felt like a 9-11 response album, but it wasn't. It just unfortunately like mirrored that experience. That's what we're living in right now. And guess what Pitchfork gave Yankee Hotel Fox? Did they really give it a 10? It was a perfect 10. I thought they gave it a 9-11. <laughs> oh, my God. So the last time I saw you, it was February 29th, a date that comes around more often than Fiona record, Apple Records, uh, once every <laughs> yeah. four years. And you were kind enough to play for four hours as part of our 12-hour marathon that day. And I don't know if you remember this, but I was asking every single person that was even tangentially related to politics, like, what do you think is going to happen in the Democratic primary? Because at the time, Bernie was in the lead in terms of both states and delegates. And it seemed like he might cruise to the nomination. And within two weeks, that was over. And... And then about the same time, uh, no one gets to see anybody anymore. <laughs> so, it, so I mean, yeah, February 29th. I don't know exactly. What is that? Like 50 days ago, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. And truly every single facet of the world has changed <laughs> since then. You it were is. on a bus the night before you were traveling 
through multiple states to do, I think, three shows, mine and then two of your own at the uh, Big Hunt in Washington, D.C., and then yes. I think traveling back to New York City like the next day. Yes, yeah, yeah. So you like traveled through eight states, performed multiple shows, and now you can't do anything. Shook so many hands, and <laughs> <laughs> the amount of hands I shook on that day. It was so funny because I remember that day too. You know, I did Sean Joyce's podcast mm-hmm. also, and talking about how he was a little worried that the coronavirus, you know, would affect turnout that night. Both shows sold out because <laughs> it wasn't going to be a big deal, and. And those were some of the last shows I did. I think there was one more week before all the shows ended. Yeah, there was Uh, one more weekend before shows just stopped. Yeah, so those were like the last long sets I did, and I probably wouldn't have done as much old stuff if I knew that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, do you feel like anything you could even say at this point? Could you reuse any material (laughs) that you've ever written? I'm really trying to think about it because I have like the however much material I wrote – after my album, but before this, you know, I'm like, do I even, am I even going to ever put those minutes on anything? Cause it just seems <laughs> so removed from yeah. life now. But I, please take this as a compliment. Cause that's what it's meant to. You sort of have like a musical uh, comedy aspect of your career. And I, I know you're not in the same weird Al uh, parody corner, but I feel like that's going to be the easiest to transition from pre-corona to our post-corona society where music is like one of the few things that like we're still going to listen to Sam Cooke songs. I don't know why I picked Sam Cooke. I love Sam Cooke. (laughs) We're still going to listen to Sam Cooke songs and, uh, and Sabbath songs and Fiona Apple records, like regardless of what's going on in or outside of our houses. But to talk about a shared experience, like, like who's going to talk about dating on stage right now? I know that they're on stages, but you know what I mean. So I've done like a number of uh, Zoom shows, which has been very weird. Um, So basically, yeah, just some of them have been through Twitch, some of them have been through Zoom, but it's just me sitting in front of my computer with a microphone (laughs) trying to make jokes. It's a very surreal experience. Do you find joy in it? You know what? I would say more than I thought. Oh, good. Yeah, because some of the shows have really figured it out where the one that does it best is there's this show called good God. That's a monthly show in New York. That's been doing a weekly zoom show. And the way they do it is they pick three audience members and kind of interview them beforehand and have them be the designated laughers. So they're, they're the only ones in the audience whose mics are on. Um, so they just kind of like vet them to make sure they're not going to be trolls and they seem like happy people. And then, so you're just kind of performing basically to them. Um, which works actually pretty well okay. in the time. Um, I've done a different show that was also Zoom where everyone's mic was on, and that was kind of weird. And then I've done ones where no one's mic is on, you're performing to silence, and there is no joy in that. Um, did you ever do <laughs> Ian Abramson's um, Seven Minutes in Purgatory? I did a couple times, yeah. Now, for the people that don't know, that was a show where uh, the performer would usually perform in a closet, sometimes uh, just a segregated room, and they had no idea how the audience was reacting. They were televi- they were, they were filmed live and broadcast live to an audience. Uh, I've always enjoyed watching that show. I've never participated in that show. I've done performance a long, long, long time ago, uh, but it wasn't for comedy. It was anything you wanted. So 
I found a ton of joy in that, but not for like making myself a better performer or a comedian or writer. I just liked it for the novelty of it. Now, do you think the novelty of this is going to wear off or do you think it will become something sustainable because people just need some sort of connection? I think that it's definitely going to wear off. I think people were really supportive, at least the first couple of weeks, the ones I did. And I'm just worried that people are going to realize like, oh, as opposed to this live streaming comedy show, I'll just watch any movie ever. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you, you said the word supportive. Are you worried about your livelihood uh, irregardless of regardless of comedy? Yeah. I mean, I definitely lost out on, you know, a lot of tour dates and a couple of festivals and stuff. Um, so it's, I think everyone who does any kind of performing art that especially depends on live audience is worried right now. You know, I still have some stuff going on. It's been good doing, you know, our podcast. We have a Patreon from that and we got some new members probably out of sympathy for the fact yeah, that we yeah, can't yeah. perform and that kind of thing and i'm working on a new narrative fiction podcast now just i needed some project i could do that didn't rely on anyone but myself basically so just trying to figure out new ways um and hoping that this stimulus money gets to me somehow even though i know i have to figure that out myself because i wasn't one of the people who got it direct deposited but um yeah it's all seems very up in the air right now and weird so just trying to <laughs> weather the storm and see what happens basically you're from chicago you live in new york do you are you glad you're currently in new york you know it's funny about that so i was um walking in greenpoint uh brooklyn where i live and i was going to find toilet paper which was very hard uh, <laughs> i had to go to four different stores but uh i ran into a guy who works for comedy central who i know uh very nice guy and he's like so how much longer are you gonna stay in new york <laughs> And I was like, oh, wow, that's not a fun question to hear. But <laughs> When was this? This was last week. Oh, man. Last week and it was still hard to find toilet paper. Yes, yeah. Oh, that's not good. Um, no, very annoying. Um, but I don't know. It's it's funny because my mom kind of tried to, you know, tell me that I should come back to Chicago or try and float that idea. She said, she said uh, you know, the planes are probably really clean now. That's <laughs> one of the things. If you're gonna this is the cheapest time to fly <laughs> yeah exactly but also it's like i i feel like i'm it's kind of nice being here i have the apartment to myself right now both my roommates went to their homes um so it's actually been good for kind of focusing on comedy stuff in that way and my girlfriend's here and i don't know are you I seeing just, your girlfriend she's she's yeah we've been yeah spending all all, all the time together that's um, good right so that's been really good. Yeah. Um, Did you listen so, to the new Fiona Apple record with your girlfriend? I, she, yeah, she doesn't really care about Fiona Apple, yeah. but I've been playing it loudly for hours. So she's heard it. <laughs> yeah. My wife is a hundred percent indifferent to Fiona Apple. And uh, yeah. so I was in the basement listening to it alone. Yeah. Which is the best. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's designed for. Yeah. Um, let's talk is the uh is is the rape on the record the elephant in the room is uh th that's why i went to genius because uh for her all of a sudden <laughs> i'm not joking um i was able to get through the first 10 songs alone and then uh for the last three songs i needed to listen to them like sort of with my son <laughs> in the room 
Oh yeah. So he was in a bouncer. Do you know what that is? Uh, I I think I'm picturing the right thing. We're like a kid. Yeah, it's like a circular thing. A kid bouncing. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I'm listening to uh, for her, and all of a sudden, the bridge hits, and I was like, "Whoa!" I mean, did that uh, line? Yeah. So. And then I went to Genius, and I was like, oh, yeah, that is exactly what I thought I heard. Uh, Fiona Apple did not stutter or mutter her words. Uh, very clear. What a song. It is a shocking lyric that I was walking. This was my first listen. I was walking around listening to it in headphones, uh, social distancing with a mask on, of course. <laughs> and I literally stopped in my tracks when I heard that line. Which, yeah. yeah. So good morning, good morning. You raped me in the bed your daughter was born in. Yeah. Uh, wow. I mean, like, it sounds like we're we're like happy about the sexual assault song, but like, this is a really fucking good, powerful song here. It's really, uh, yeah, shocking, incredibly powerful lyric that is. I mean, yeah, wow. Yeah. What what the fuck else? What other song is like this? <laughs> yeah, I, I, and also just good morning too. Oh my god. Oh yeah, yeah. It yeah. The fact that it. According to, I don't, I don't, I should know more musical terms considering I have multiple records. Interpolates "Good Morning" by Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney is like listed in the credits. Yeah, which is fucking gnarly. It's great to stay up late. Yeah, I was because like we, I have a like a giant playlist for the boy, and one of them is like when he was like really, really, really young. He's nine months, but like when he was like a month or two, we would play like "Good Morning" from "Singing in the Rain," right? Yeah, and like I'm like, oh you, re-, like oh you recognize? No shit, that's different. <laughs> different song. You tricked oh, me. God. It would be in very poor taste, but I am picturing this song playing over that dance they do to that. Oh yeah, where's that mashup? <laughs> first album, the kid. My, I made sure that the first album my kid ever heard was In Utero by. Uh, Nirvana because it's number oh, one. Yep. It's my favorite record and it's the only one actually about a baby being born, right? That's what that <laughs> album is about. They wouldn't carry it in Walmart, but they will carry it at your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so okay, so you noticed that uh, song as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it really <laughs> jumps out at you and makes you uh, <laughs> makes you think about it, you know? And it's Which is... sort of hidden. Yeah. Because it's not, it's at the end of the song it's a relatively like the end of the album, but it's not the last track. So it's like sort of hidden in there and it like it hits. Yeah, for sure. Oh man. Do you, think, um, do you think this is the song you could play to your girlfriend and be like, here, check out this. I think you'll dig it. <laughs> this is the one. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one for sure. It's I cut you art. off. You're going to say something. I was going to say what, um, like what other art have you been enjoying in this m- month or so? That's a wonderful question. Um, I can tell you what I enjoyed right before the global pandemic. Right before I saw you, uh, my wife and I binged the new High Fidelity on Hulu. I loved that. I loved it so much. It was a shock how much I loved that because uh, reexamining High Fidelity, it's so problematic. Now, it was problematic from the start, but but Rob at the time was like this anti-hero. And I don't (laughs) – I know you didn't go to college with me, but one of my (laughs) – one of my main uh, classes for my major uh, was a wonderful, wonderful English class. It was about the antihero, and my entire paper was uh, Rob from High Fidelity is an antihero. He's just a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> so to re to like reinterpret it 
I, and I've read the book too to reinterpret it in another way and just coming like loving it so much was so shocking and nice and that so that was like February and then since then uh, I've enjoyed the new Fiona Apple record and that's it <laughs> so yeah I actually read the High Fidelity book this year for the first time because oh, I really? show yeah um so it was kind of fun to do it right before and just kind of see like because they kept some of it pretty strict to the book and mm-hmm. some of it obviously way different but it was both i really enjoyed both honestly i don't think i'd ever read a nick hornby book before he's very easy to read yes yeah just a fun easy read yeah um, i read <laughs> i don't know why i did this to myself but i read this book called severance uh by ling ma a couple weeks ago have you ever heard of that i have not so it's a book, uh, it's set in 2012, but the plot is that a virus uh, from China <laughs> wipes out like, the entire population of the world. Um, and literally the first scene, she's at her boyfriend's house, uh, the protagonist is at her boyfriend's house in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. I was like, oh, good. So I've been on paternity leave, uh, and paternity leave has now just turned into leave indefinite. <laughs> Um, yeah. so from like December forward, I've sort of been living this like isolated social distance life with the sun, you know? So, um, almost everything I was reading, uh, be it, uh, an ebook or listening to an audiobook had related to Buddhism. Oh, wow. <laughs> because I'm definitely scratching that like, uh, white man in his thirties <laughs> time yes. to find God yeah. time I'm to be a Buddhist. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been listening to a ton of that shit, and my therapist was like, "Yeah, this is really good for you because it's like calms you down <laughs> and doesn't make you angry, and that's good." So the majority of stuff I've been listening to is just like super common sense Buddhism stuff, and and now that we're in the midst of this, I'm re-listening to a bunch of it, and guess what? It works out really well. <laughs> there is yeah, no such thing as permanence. Nice. Yeah. But like, that's no one wants to fucking hear that. I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> You know what book that I've read that's not exactly like the book you talked about, but it's similar, is uh, Get Well Soon by Jennifer Wright. Um, this is, I'm trying not to be, be sexist yeah, here, but our mutual friend Daniel Kibblesmith, that's his wife. I've never met her. Daniel's been on the show multiple times. So I'm sure you know Daniel Kibblesmith. Uh, yes, that's yeah. his wife's book. It's great. It's really, really great. So that's about, I never read that, but it's famous diseases in history, right? That's yeah, the- and... Um, they go through the Spanish flu of 1918, uh, incredibly relevant to now. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I totally, I remember reading about that when it came out. Cause I do know both of them and I wanted to read it, but I never did. It would be an interesting read now, but, um, I don't know if I want to put myself through more. You know, <laughs> it's not re- sad. Oh really? It's not at all sad or depressing. If anything, it made me feel very hopeful. Um, her tone is like, Clearly, it's all. It depends on what you're looking for, but that's the tone I want. Her tone is is in no way flippant, but in no way super serious, and she's dealing with some of the most serious stuff possible. Yeah, there's wow. levity in the sadness. So I also, they put a lot of the Bong Joon Ho movies on Hulu. Oh yeah, uh, kind of in honor of putting Parasite on there, and I watched The Host. Have you ever seen that? I have not. Should I? Uh, it's great, but it is, so it's his, uh, his kind of monster movie. Uh, and it also, I did not realize involves the government mishandling a virus. 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I, the, the severance, I knew what I was getting into, but this one, I just kind of threw my hands in the air. I was like, well, we're, we're doing this again. All right. Yeah, my wife won't watch that, and I don't have time to watch anything alone. Actually, that's a complete lie. I So we have a, a bike thing where you like hook your bike in so you could use it as like a stationary bike. Oh, cool. So we have that in the basement. So for like, depends on my son's nap time, but at least 30 minutes a day, I get to bike. So I, I, the only thing we have on the TV is Netflix because it's like an old, outdated smart TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm watching a bunch of like random crap on Netflix and I'm just watching um, I Left My Body, the animated film that was just uh, nominated for an Academy Award. It's French. Not at all enjoying it. I'm going to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm gonna finish it. I got five minutes left. Uh, I just watched L.A. Brothers. Fucking hated it. Uh, just not good at all. But it's something easy to bike to. Wow. How did you listen to this Fiona Apple record? Um. So I started to listen to it at midnight, and I listened to a few songs, and then I realized that I was too tired to give it a real, give it the attention that I knew it was gonna deserve. Yeah. So I went to bed. I woke up. Um, I went on a walk, put it on the headphones. Um, so that was kind of my first listen. And then I came back into my apartment and just put it on a speaker and it's just been playing on repeat since then while I worked on various stuff and, you know, different things jumping out at me, but I've basically had it playing all day. Do you think you'll live with this record for the entire year? It's definitely, I mean, so there have been some albums out this year that I've loved so far. I would say the Rat Boys album I think is incredible. The Waxahachie album is incredible. And But I think when I look back, this is just going to be so of the moment and important. And I feel like it's definitely going to be just associated with this time forever. You know, yeah. whenever I think about what I was doing, I'm always going to remember this Fiona Apple album. Yeah. I'm I'm so happy that it's out. I'm so happy that I get to listen to it uh, on repeat alone because my wife does not want to hear this, and I do not blame her. <laughs> this is sort of what happened last year. I think I, my favorite record of 2019 was the Sharon Von Etten record, and she's cool with it, but like I want to listen to that shit 24-7, and she's like, enough's enough, you know. So. Which came out in January of last year. Yeah. I think kind of heard it when people were doing the year end stuff because it had been so long, but that record is truly amazing. Yeah. I thought that and the Jenny Lewis record, those are my two favorite hands down, two favorite records yeah. of the year. Um, also this year, the Laura Marling that came out last week might get a little overshadowed by this, but it was also really special. Yeah. I haven't even heard that yet. I was listening to the new local H album that came out last week and I fucking love it. Okay. And I'm no longer apologizing for my, for that. Like that's just who I am. <laughs> I haven't listened to Local H in a very long time. Uh, they have my second favorite record of all time. Is it the one with Copacetic on it? Nope. That's not the name of the song either. Fuck you, dick. <laughs> <laughs> Pack Up the Cats from 1998 is the uh, second. It's my second favorite record of all time. What's number one? In Utero, which I played for my boy. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. What's your number one? I, I never know how to answer that question. Um it's too hard. You know it could change, right? <laughs> That's true. It's I not guess. like you're not locked in. There's no quiz. <laughs> I had my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy as my album of the decade. Sure. Um, but is it your favorite? favorite? No. That's the thing. God. I'm not asking the best. I know that that's not the best Nirvana record. It's my favorite Nirvana record. 
Totally. Um, my favorite old record is Carol King's Tapestry. That's right. That checks out. I think about that all the time. <laughs> Extraordinary <laughs> Machines, very high up there for me. I don't know, man. It's hard. I wish yeah. I liked Carol King more. I feel like people that like Carol King are the same people that like Weird Al, where I feel like if you like Weird Al, you probably are going to make a good amount of money in life. And if you like Carol King, you probably have a good relationship with your parents. <laughs> you're not, you're not wrong. <laughs> I like uh, the album by the guy that committed suicide. <laughs> I, I did also. Yeah. Uh, Mountain goat sunset tree is definitely in that top five. Oh, did you order the mountain goats tape? I haven't. No, I want to listen to it. I saw that that um, that got very well reviewed on Pitchfork also, and I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. Is it only on tape? You can't. I think it it's online. only on tape. I was trying to find it online. Um, the Mountain Goats yeah, are a band that I only started appreciating in 2015. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, I'm not joking. Like they did a wrestling album, and that's what turned me onto the Mountain Goats because that's about oh, the same time I got into wrestling, and I was like, well, if, the, if this dude could like wrestling, maybe. Uh, it's not for only certain types of people. And uh, he helped me get over my bigotry, so that's good. Yeah, what is that song, the Diaz Brothers? It's on that? Yeah, that song. Beat the rules. Champ is the name of the record. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, just, a, great album. it's a great album. It, it, it's no Fiona Apple record. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this with me, Tommy. Dude, it was, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, I'm so happy we get to celebrate Fiona Apple Day. I guess we'll talk again in eight years. Eight years on April 17th, 2028. <laughs> fingers crossed, Fiona Apple, sweet six. And God bless President Ivanka Trump. <laughs> and, 